We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Guys, finding a nice suit for a good price is tough. That's why I roll with Indochino. Great custom suits that are affordable. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure men's warehouse. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customization, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. The Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. This is an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And this episode is brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, Razors, and Roman. But, Jack, how are we feeling after a win? I am Jack Manuel, and I love Joe Harris. <laughs> he does, and this was a really good game to love Joe Harris. The Nets pick up a W at the end of the road trip in Chicago, 117-111 in a game that Kyrie Irving didn't play and no Karis LeVert, and they still came up victorious. But as always, a quick reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and bluewirepods.com. But Jack, what do you want to get into first? You want to talk about Joe or you want to talk about the overall game? I mean, we could talk about Joe, but I don't want to go on a rant, Nick. There was just one thought that I had throughout the game. What did you think of the Bulls' decision to blitz uh, the ball handler quite a bit, and how do you think the the Nets' ball handlers and playmakers reacted to it? 
I feel like at times the Nets were able to capitalize, but in that second quarter, it really disrupted them. And I think with the second unit, it was a real problem. Like, because yep. first off, the guys don't have the chemistry. And then I thought overall, the rotations not being, you know, the normal rotations, or at least what we've seen so far, guys are out of sync, then all the foul trouble. It made it more difficult for a team that's putting in, you know, missing and moving parts into a lineup, especially like a guy in Montchumford coming out who hasn't even played a minute yet. I felt like that really disrupted them. But then by the time the fourth quarter came along, I felt like they started to adjust. Kenny started to adjust. DeAndre, Jarrett, Claxton all started making good plays at that high post. Yeah, I thought that they got a, a lot smarter and a lot more composed. You know, when the ball is in Spencer Dinwiddie's hands, uh, you, you feel a lot more confident than when it's in you know, Jana Musa's hands, who was obviously a bit more susceptible to pressure and, you know, had a couple of turnovers himself, you know, two turnovers and just gave the ball back a couple of times. But, you know, overall, I, I thought the Nets reacted pretty well to it. I thought it was a relatively smart plan from Jim Boylan, but then there was times as well that the Nets were able to penetrate through it and it just led to easy buckets either on the perimeter or, or inside but it was a uh, like any Brooklyn Nets watching experience it was up and down and mm-hmm. I think like midway through the game I was seeing quotes about tanking and, and trying <laughs> to get our, our own pick again and I was like oh I forgot where our pick is lottery pick protected and now you know now we're five and seven and only two games behind 500 and you know Kyrie Irving will probably be back soon and we've got a nice little homestand yeah I felt like people saying like tanking like guys like the top three players in this team are out. Kevin Durant's obviously injured. Kyrie didn't play tonight, and Karis Levert's out. Like, you're putting in a whole bunch of parts that haven't played together all season, and then the foul trouble on top of that. I don't think it was a game to really overreact to. I think, if anything, you could take more positive at it because guys stepped up, especially in that fourth quarter when it was a close game. They kind of proved to be the better winning team. Yeah, and I think players stepped up when it mattered because in that first half and for lots of moments, obviously part of it was foul trouble, but, you know, Toy and Prince and Spencer Dinwiddie were poor in parts, but then, you know, in the final quarter, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie ends up having 15 free throws and, and hits 14 of them and he has a, a massive last quarter. Toy and Prince start off, starts off the fourth hitting a, a nice three and getting some momentum there. And obviously Joe Harris, I think, was the most consistent performer. And then Garrett Temple provided some good defense as he has. And at the end of the day, all of our starters finished positive in the plus minus yeah i feel like you pretty much nailed it when you said like guys had up and down games other than joe harris everyone else was all over the place and for them to finish off the fourth quarter the right way specifically spencer who was in foul trouble and definitely wasn't in sync because i think up until the fourth quarter he only played 18 minutes so to be able to go out there and lead your team to a win i felt confident in him doing that though because of what we've seen from spencer in the past getting us wins against lesser teams yeah, I mean, you can be guaranteed of a Spencer Dinwiddie revenge game against Detroit, yeah. against Chicago, against whatever team. And, you know, he was great down the stretch. And I think that as fans, uh, we always get caught up in the moment. And it's hard not to because, you know, it, it's part of the, the, the sports watching experience. It's part of fandom. It's part of the definition. But I, I thought we showed some maturity tonight. And despite the, the lack of talent that we had out there, I thought... And we spoke about this before we started recording and, and in the DMs a little bit. We played some of the best team basketball. And I think that that's one area when we always look good is that ball is moving around. And there were some plays tonight where I was just like, there's the, the way the ball was getting inside the, the movement and then leading to outside and corner threes. Uh, it was a beauty to watch at times. I would say confidently that I feel like the three players in the team that had the best energy and chemistry are Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Jared Allen. There was just a couple plays in that first half. It was just pinpoint accurate. They knew where the other guy was going to be even before they were there, and obviously that comes with a lot of experience. So I think it's going to be important for Kenny to find minutes for that three-man rotation in the future.
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Nick. Uh, I think you, they were just they just felt well. The, the synergy was there. The ball was moving, and they knew where to find the right shots. What shots each of them sort of liked, and you know, it ended the game thirty assists to fifteen, which is uh, an outstanding number. I think the Nets do look really good, and I think I'm going to do a, a little bit of research on a piece just looking at some of the Nets' different stats. But when the ball is moving, boy, do we look good. When the ball is sticking. You know, other than when we're trying to penetrate um, and get to the free throw line, then I think that that's when we look best. And for me, there were times, you know, I actually thought it was okay. But then uh, during the last quarter, I remember a specific play where, you know, uh, I think Wendell Carter got the switch on to Spencer Dimity and DJ, and everyone's like, like, just let's just get out, let's get out. He's got this one, and he and he cooked him. It, it was it was chicken. It was fried fried chicken. What's the, what's the saying? <laughs> barbecue chicken. Saying. Barbecue chicken. chicken. Fried chicken. Grilled chicken. It's all but, good. It's all good chicken. It's all good. Chicken, chicken is a wonderful protein, mind you. Um, but yeah, the, I think for the most part, that we just made the right plays at the right time, especially in that last quarter to score. You know, forty-three points uh, in a period. It showed that the, obviously the Chicago Bulls aren't a quality team, but with what we had out there, I, I was always as the, as the last quarter begun. I'm, once we started hitting some shots, I'm like, we're in with a chance here. Yeah, we had a chance. I mean, the bench unit did a good job in that third quarter and keeping the game close and just overall just stepping up in that fourth and winning by 10. But, Jack, how would you grade the quarters, you know, one, two, three, and four? Would you say first quarter solid, second quarter terrible, third qu- actually first quarter good, second quarter terrible, third quarter solid, and fourth quarter great? Yeah, I'd give the first quarter a B, B plus, second quarter a, a D minus, an F, the, the third quarter a, a D plus, a C. And the final quarter, you know, close to an A. Um, obviously, it wasn't perfect. And there were times where the, the Chicago Bulls were hitting shots. And there were times where DeAndre Jordan was just, you know, he was doing DeAndre Jordan things. He's a frustrating player to watch sometimes. But he did have that put-back dunk and he hit, he hit his free throws. So you can't hate everything that he did out there. But he certainly was frustrating. Um, but, yeah, overall, you can't expect... I mean, obviously, we're, we're now 12 games into the season. We want to see progression. But I think that this is the sort of game that does give you confidence going forward. It's not necessarily a turning point because it was against the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, if we had have got the game against Denver or Utah, I think that that would have really given the impetus going forward and, and, a, and a little bit more confidence. But, you know, a nice little homestand now. Get a bit more rest, a couple of days off. Uh, and hopefully we see Kyrie Irving back. And, you know, the, the synergy continues. And we get another win and, and we get back into the playoff picture. Yeah, I think the confidence for guys to win in a close game is important. Obviously, like you mentioned, it's Chicago Bulls, so it doesn't carry as much weight. But losing back-to-back close games where the other team made a comeback, and if you were to lose another one against Chicago, I think that would start to put in some doubt. You know, in every game where you get the lead, now it's like, are we going to be able to do this? I think this helps build confidence, especially early in the season. Like you mentioned, taking advantage on that homestand. But, Jack, let's talk about some of the young guys. I thought Nick Claxton, another solid game from him, that nice post move by Laurie Marketing. And also, he does a great job of running in transition. He does. He seems just incredibly comfortable. And I remember doing my breakdown video of him uh, when he was drafted. And he would bring the ball up a lot of the times for, for his college team. And he would just be comfortable. With the ball in his hands, 
there isn't many big guys that look as smooth, especially for a guy of his age and, and his youth. You know, he's just comfortable putting the ball on the floor, dishing it off. You know, most of the time when the big guy has the ball in their hands, unless you're a Nikola Jokic, you, you're, you're a bit worrisome. You want him to give it to the small guys, the wings. But he just looked incredibly comfortable. There was a couple of moments with, with the buckets that he had. And, you know, he led the team in plus minus off the bench in the 17 minutes, you know, four of six from the field. You know, he was really, really comfortable. And I might have to do a mini breakdown of him as well because there's a couple of days in between. But, yeah, I, I really like what he did and one little tidbit that i don't think is being said i don't hate that he's missed these threes i like that he's taking them and that's one thing i mean everyone compares nicholas claxton and jared allen and the center rotation in general but he's not afraid to take them and and he's willing to to pull the trigger and once he hits them then he's going to be an incredibly dangerous player i don't care if he misses 15 threes in a row 15 threes in a row before he hits one as long as he's taking them that shows he has confidence in his own shot yeah, as long as they're good looks, too. And I felt like we got to see a little bit more of Jared Allen and Nicholas Claxton tonight where we haven't seen a ton of that in the past. And defensively, they had some really good, nice moments oh, because of that length. They're just swarming inside. They are, they are dangerous. You're having two young guys with the length and defensive acumen of those guys, the hops and athleticism. I mean, it, it's a pretty fun sight to see. You know, having Claxton at the four and Jared Allen at the five. I mean, we saw it in, in, in spades when it was DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxton. But uh, I, I know I was certainly salivating at the prospect in the minutes that we saw Jared Allen and Nicholas Claxton out there. And I think defensively, it makes you an incredibly hard unit to defend because both of those guys can are switchable on the perimeter as well. So it's like if you've got one guy, then you're going to be coming up against Jared Allen in, in the block and in the post. Uh, it was a really, and obviously it's probably not the, it's not sustainable against a, a heap of other teams, especially teams like, you know, the, the Los Angeles Lakers and these bigger bruising teams like the Sixers. But tonight I, I liked the, the different rotations that Coach Kenny out there. I know at halftime we were sort of advocating, well, why is Aman jumping out there? But then he had some good moments in the third. So, I mean, you can only say so much. There was up and down moments, but there was up and down moments from everyone. Yeah, and with just getting back to Claxton and Allen, I just think the quickness they bring with that length, and you mentioned the switchability, and then also the recovery speed they have. You know, when you know Claxton gets more comfortable, Jared Allen continues to improve. Kenny can really unlock that lineup defensively, especially when they get healthy and they have guys like Karis Avert and Torian Prince out there that can add even more defense. There's there's some potential for the Nets on the defensive end. But Jack, before we get any farther, just a quick word about a couple of our sponsors. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed. The ancient Greeks didn't need a flex ball or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge to add gimmicky features to your razor. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. You know, I personally enjoy Harry's. Low price, close shave, keeps my beard edged up nice. You know, they're quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman. It's a German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century which means you're getting an incredibly high quality blade at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Send the subscriptions right to your house. And listeners to my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with lubricating strips and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade to cover your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. 
or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation, ongoing care from ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you, free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started with Roman is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire, complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. But Jack, we also have a couple of names to talk about tonight that we don't normally get to talk about. Theo Pinson got some minutes tonight. Yeah, I really loved Theo Pinson's first half. You know, when Spencer Dibney wasn't performing to to what he showed in in the last half and especially in that fourth quarter, I thought Theo was really good. Yeah, he had three turnovers in only 18 minutes, but he hit a couple of threes and he just looked comfortable out there. And I think for a guy, for a role player who doesn't get a lot of minutes, to be able to be ready and produce at, at, a, at any sort of moment, I, I think it shows to the character and just how, how ready he is. You know, he's just yeah. ready to go out there no matter what. And I think... Maybe it's just all he's always uh, a constant ball of energy on the bench and he's always involved with his teammates. He's always chatting. He's always up and about. And that energy translates to what he brings onto the court. But in terms of, you know, obviously we see a rational and swimming on the court sort of energy from him <laughs> normally. But tonight he just looked, he looked capable and he looked comfortable. Yeah, he really did. And I thought he had some good minutes out there. Like you mentioned, some of the turnovers weren't great and there was a couple bad shots but other than that I liked his ability to get inside he had one drive that really stuck out and then the confidence to hit the three-point shot it's just a nice boost knowing you have a guy that you could put in and get some minutes and then getting to another young guy who's been in the rotation but he saw 29 minutes tonight Jana Musa what'd you like from him what didn't you like yeah what I liked from him is he's he has confidence in his own ability now and with that I think from a young guy comes an awareness that he doesn't just have yet and I think he needs to find that balance of confidence and awareness. You know, when do I drive in? When do I take the three ball? His three ball isn't, for me, the most mechanically sound, but I love the confidence that he shows. You know, he did shoot one of six, but he was taking the open shots. And, and that, for me, is, is more important. And uh, I think a lot of the things he did do well, you know, he had seven rebounds, five assists. So when he was out there, he did provide some good requisite energy and he was positive in the plus minus. So he was a positive effect on the game. There were just times where he, he looked a little bit out of control. He is a second year player and this would easily have been the game where he played the most minutes. But overall, if we're grading it, I thought it was a positive performance from Musa. Yeah, I like the way he moves the ball in the offense. He keeps things going. You know, he'll make that extra pass. Obviously, like you said, the three-point shot isn't amazing, but he's proven to be able to knock that down. And I think a couple times what he needs to do is, instead of trying to attack the big, just settle maybe for that floater or pull-up jumper that we know he has. Yeah, I think the floater is in, is one of the shots he needs to utilize a little bit more because he pushes in too hard and the shot off the – there's just way too much heat on the shot that he throws off the glass. So he does have a nice floater, and I think he can utilize it more. But, you know, I think that the fact that these guys are getting minutes at early points of the season does hold you in good stead. You know, Pinson and, you know, I, I guess we should probably speak about Amon Shepard as well, Nick, despite the fact that he was minus 16. Um, he had a couple of positive moments. 
His, I think all of his positive moments came in the second half. The first, yeah. first half, I think he was pretty bad, specifically those two, two turnovers that led to essentially four points for the Bulls. He just didn't look confident, but that's kind of what you expect. Somebody who hasn't played an NBA game in so long, they're going to be rusty first minutes of the season, no preseason for him. I felt like that first half really was time for him to adjust, and then in the second half we saw things that he could possibly provide for this team, a little bit of defense, knock down a three-point shot. So there's some hope for Shump. Yeah, I think the the minus sixteen was reflective of the fact that the the Chicago Bulls went on like a ten o thirteen o run, and Aman Shumpert was out there for a, a, you know the majority of those points. But I like the the confidence that Coach Kenny showed in him, you know, to keep him out there, and you know Aman Shumpert did repay him. We obviously know that they have a prior relationship in New York, and they would do a lot of work together. And, and Aman Shumpert did repay the faith, you know, hitting a, a really nice three ball, and you know he rebounded the ball pretty well. Um, yeah, the turnovers is probably the, the, the one thing that was the most frustrating. But, you know, I think he's certainly going to earn some minutes. And, you know, the, if he plays the way he did in the second half, then I think he's going to provide a lot. I like his energy. You know, he there was times you could, like you sort of said, Nick, there were times where, like, he was falling over his own feet. He was trying to do too much. And his, his brain um, his brain was working too fast for his body to sort of react. But, you know, I think Aman Shepard can be a rotation piece. And, you know, not necessarily going to be seeing, you know, 20 minutes a night from him. But, you know, with guys like Nawaba and, and Kuritz, you know, sort of in and out of the rotation, I don't see why Aman Shumpert can't be out there for certain sort of aspects. Yeah, obviously, Kenny already felt more confident in him not giving minutes to Rodion's or Nawaba in this game. Yeah, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm not baffled, but you know, a little perplexed because I thought, you know, Kuritz could have provided some energy when we sort of needed it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, he knows more than we do, and it's why we got the win. You know, I think that you can try to do too much as a coach and try to sort of, and I think the reason why he is the coach, he is the expert, is because he's going to back his guys in and let them run through it. And they repaid that faith. You know, Aman Shuppet, Musa, these sort of guys were able to, you know, get through those little mini lapses. And despite the fact that there were some poor moments in the, in the second and third, the only quarter we were outscored in was that second quarter. Yeah, and that was really just... The whole team was bad in that quarter. But, Jack, do you want to dive any deeper on Joe Harris, Spencer, and Torian Prince? We need to dive as deep as possible <laughs> to Joe Harris for many, many reasons. The flex, Nick? The flex. <laughs> it was a half flex. I wanted a full flex. I wanted, the like, full double arm flex. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be watching that video for hours and hours and hours on end. It was... Uh, I could see Joe, I'm like, the, the shot's going to be missed here. I'm like, Joe's going to get this board. And then I'm like, all right, Joe, kick it out now. All right, Joe, kick it out now. And he's just like, nah, nah, I'm getting through here. And I was just like, oh, man, what what else can this man do? We talked about it um, when we were sort of chatting to each other and, and over Twitter that this was probably the most complete game that Joe Harris has ever played, you know, across his career. You know, two of eight from three. But you wouldn't know it because he had four or four three throws, eight assists, a career high, plus 16, 22 points, 35 minutes leading the team there by, you know, a very healthy margin. He was absolutely ridiculous tonight. And, you know, it showed that I, I think he, we, we sort of uh, occasionally when it's uh, the Kyrie Irving sort of show occasionally uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Harris has shown tonight that he needs to be a focal point of this offense more than any other. You know, he needs to be getting up shots as not obviously to a Kyrie Irving, Karasovic, Spencer Dimwitty level, but he needs to be getting up, you know, 10, 15 shots tonight. You know, he led the team in field goal attempts tonight. You know, Torian Prince had 13, uh, Spencer Dimwitty had 11, and Garrett Temple had 12. Joe Harris had 15, 8 of 15 from the field. So it shows that, you know, we can play winning basketball 
running through Joey Buckets, aka the real sexiest man alive, John Legend. <laughs> you got nothing on my guy. Uh, yeah, and I think the one thing Joe did really well tonight was attacking on the secondary action. Like you mentioned earlier, the Bulls blitzed on the pick and roll. So the next guy you hit and had an opportunity to drive the rim while they're still rotating, the Bulls not being a great rotating team, Joe capitalized. He had a lot of great finishes, and then when he wasn't finishing, he kind of caught the guy trying to recover and was able to hit either DeAndre or Jared Allen for an easy dunk. I was really impressed with Joe, and we kind of knew someone needed to step up. I expected Spencer to step up, but it was like, who's that other guy going to be? And, and that's a great point, Jack. Like, Joe needs to probably be getting 10 to 12 shots a game. They don't all have to be threes, but you just need to get the ball in his hands a little bit more and give him an opportunity and take some of that pressure off Kyrie and off Spencer. I think because he draws a lot of gravity as well, Nick. We know yeah. as a three-point shooter, if you're a J.J. Redick, a Kyle Korver, a Stephen Curry, a Damian Lillard, you draw a heap of offense, and that opens up lanes as well for other players. Joe is an awesome straight-line driver. You know, I'm surprised that so many teams don't like really get out to him because he doesn't have you know great lateral quickness, but they allow him to drive straight line, and he can dish down low, and he can kick out to, to guys. Obviously, you know, the eight assist is reflective of that. I thought he was really good defensively tonight. Too. I don't think the Chicago Bulls have a heap of sort of athletes on their team that can really sort of, you know, exploit a guy like Joe Harris. You know, there were times where he was switched on to Zach Levine and, and Zach Levine can settle uh, somewhat when he's playing his sort of version of basketball. But I thought, yeah, this was the best game of Joe Harris's career. And it's going to be the most fun video breakdown we're going to do for NetsRepublic.com. And I think one reason he's able to attack with the straight line drives, even though teams know that he's not really getting creative, is just because they're so scared of the three-point ball. Like, they're so ready to, you know, try to contest that shot. And we've seen him knock down contested shots this year. So he's getting more attention, like we've pointed out in the past. I mean, I think one thing that stuck out, I know we're talking more so about the players, but the Nets really got into switching in that fourth quarter. They were switching on a lot of screens, communicating well. You know, Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, Spencer Dinwiddie. You really saw each guy almost staying a portion of the floor instead of trying to get over 100 screens. It was like, hey, Joe, I'm going to pass him off to you. He's going to take him on. And it just worked out so well. And you saw the defense communicating and just gives us a better idea of this team defense can be in the future. Communication, Nick, is the key to any good relationship. True. We, we know that. You know, I'm sure you have that with your fiance in spades. And it showed in that final quarter on the defensive end. I think that's the key takeaway from everything. I could hear through my TV DeAndre Jordan, you know, barking at guys from the back. It's what he's trying to impart onto a guy like Nicholas Claxton. And despite the fact that he has a he, he takes a lot away on, on certain aspects of the floor. I do like him as a communicator. He is a leader in terms of when it comes to setting up guys and, you know, calling out switches. And, you know, when they were out of bounds plays sort of going, I, I could hear him like, you know, protect the lane, protect the lane. You know, simple things. But, you know, when you see, you know, I've, I've seen videos on like NBA.com of guys like PJ Tucker and, and, uh, and he's just like, you know, he just yaps. He just talks for the sake of talking because it provides, you know, just the, this intangible sort of energy. So I, I was really impressed with the, the defensive communication, especially in that final quarter, like you mentioned. And, and a guy that I don't think is going to get a lot of credit from this game, and I think already there have been some people criticizing him for, for some very strange reason, was Jared Allen. Yeah, I actually was almost surprised. And just give one point about DeAndre. I thought he was pretty bad most of the game other than the late third quarter and the rest of the fourth quarter where he played the entire quarter. And I think the most frustrating thing for me is DeAndre moved pretty well in that fourth quarter. He did not move well the rest of the game, and that tells me it's more of an effort thing than actually yeah. like a deficiency. I think for DeAndre, and obviously the Nets have him on contract for three more years, he needs to get a little bit leaner. But uh, moving on from there, who was the next guy you mentioned, Jack? Jared Allen, I thought I had a really oh, underrated yeah. performance. Nick. Got on a little bit of a rant there, sorry. <laughs> uh, but Jared Allen, yeah, I was actually surprised we didn't see Jared Allen in the fourth quarter. Like, 
he he did work to start the game in the first quarter, finishing inside, finishing through contact, you know, was rotating well, had a couple blocks in this game, had a couple steals. I thought it was a good game for him. It was weird he only played 21 minutes, but I guess it was, like I mentioned, Kenny trying to prove a point with DeAndre. Yeah, I think it was just positive. It was efficient, positive, five of five from the field, one of one from the free throw line, rebounded the ball well, was a defensive dynamo. Um, looking at the, the box score stats, there, DeAndre Jordan had four blocks as well. So to have, you know, two blocks for Spencer Dinwiddie, two blocks for Jared Allen, uh, and a block for Garrett Temple as well. We were defending the rim uh, pretty capably for most parts of the game. But yeah, Jared Allen's game, I think, is going to, you know, probably be thrown to the wayside a little bit, partly because he was so good against Denver in, in our disappointing performance there and in one of his better games of the season, if not his best one. But I thought in all the minutes he was out there, Jared Allen was a positive. I didn't see any sort of negatives. You know, he didn't have any turnovers. And in yeah. that sort of. So I think that. You know, for if we're people that might be rewatching the game or watching the replay or, or listening to us now, you know, keep an eye out on how positive an effect Jared Allen was on this game. He was, he was just really, really good. Yeah, and he did a good job. And you mentioned the no turnovers, hitting, getting hit in the high post, and having to make a decision, either putting the ball down or passing it out. And he didn't make a mistake in that area. And to give credit to the Nets perimeter defenders, I thought they did a nice job of slowing down their man when they got to the rim, so guys like Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan can come over and get the easy block. Yeah, it made things easy for them, and obviously for guys, you know, DeAndre Jordan still has great verticality, and you know, he has proven he can be a good defensive player. You know, especially in his time in Los Angeles. But yeah, when the perimeter makes that that little bit easy for you, uh, it certainly makes the, the job easy for the big man down low. Yeah, I thought this was actually one of Spencer's better games defensively. You mentioned the two blocks. He had a couple yeah. of really nice plays, including one on Thad Young, who's not a bad player at all. No, not at all. I thought that he was really, really good in that regard. And you could see him fighting through possessions, fighting through screens. And I think the fact that he wasn't called for some ticky-tacky fouls gave him a, a better mentality in yeah. that sort of respect and uh, allowed him to, to continue to be uh, aggressive. But Nick, just some stats that I thought to just sort of bring to your attention. The Nets got out-rebounded by 16, but were able to win the points in the paint by 20. Does that stick out to you as you're watching the game at all? Yeah, the, getting out-rebounded definitely stuck out. The points yeah. in the paint really didn't stick out, but I think some of that's with the free-throw differential. You know, it felt like Chicago was driving inside, getting to the line a lot. But the rebounding definitely stuck out. And there were certain plays we kind of complained about DeAndre earlier. He wasn't boxing anybody out, or guys would have to come over and help. And then Wendell Carter did a great job on the boards, just fighting for everything. He's he's off to a good start in the season. That's kind of like been his role in Chicago. But still, I think the guards need to do a better job, or the forwards need to do a better job of helping the center with the boxing out of the bigs, or at least making an attempt. 17 yeah. offensive rebounds is just too much. It is way too much. And to only get five yourself, you know, obviously if it's a, a rebounding battle. And, you know, when we spoke about on the Brooklyn Buzz before, you know, the Nets have been, and you've put it out there on your Twitter too, at OTG underscore Nick, the Nets have been one of the best rebounding teams this year. So it was a surprise. I think there were some long rebounds, which are a little bit tougher to get, you know, both teams jacked up a heap of threes, you know. And missed 43. a heap of threes. <laughs> yeah, both teams shot only just above 23% from the uh, from the free throw, from the three-point line, sorry. Um, so, yeah, in that sort of respect, and they played similar sort of games. You know, the Bulls played, you know, they like to get to the free throw line. Obviously, there were some fouls that probably couldn't and couldn't have been called. 
But, you know, the discrepancy in the first half, it was like, you know, the Nets were in single digits and, you know, the Bulls were in, like, the 20s and 30s. But, you know, to only sort of, it wasn't necessarily a battle. It was more the fact that there was some aggression and, and they were starting to get some calls. The one that stuck out to me was Spencer Dibbity driving and he throws up a shot and then it was an out of, an out of bounds play. That was just some play. mistake by the refs. I mean, oh. I was that was crazy. And getting to the free throw differential, I believe the Nets only had 10 free throws entering the fourth quarter and they had 21 free throw attempts in the fourth quarter. So it's just like, that was weird. And some of that was Chicago just playing better, but it felt weird that the nets weren't getting to the line at all. And the guys were still driving. There was a lot of opportunities where I felt like Spencer could have had more in one plays, obviously finished the game with like 15 free throw attempts, but a lot of that was just fouls at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think overall yeah, it wasn't the most perfect performance, Nick, but you're not going to get perfect performances uh, at every game of the season. As, as long as you're getting the wins, uh, that's what's important and hopefully bring this winning momentum uh, when we head back home to Barclays. Yeah, a good team gets this win, especially without their best players, and they still did that tonight, and I think that's really impressive. Jack, what would you say is the most positive thing carrying into the next game? Uh, I think the ball movement, Nick, the ball movement and, and defensive communication was better. And I think for me, those are a T two key stalwarts to what to the Brooklyn Nets identity. And I think I might be stealing that from Coach Kenny when he was speaking to to Yes Network and stuff. Um, so for me, those were the most positive things. The, the ball was fizzing around. It was a good team performance. Uh, and at times, you know, the defensive communications and the defensive engagement and execution, I thought was really good. It wasn't perfect, but uh, again, you know, we're not expecting perfect performances. Uh, as long as we get the win, uh, it makes us certainly a lot happier recapping these games. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Jack. The extra defensive communication was big in this game. Like I mentioned, some extra switches that we don't normally see. I think that made things easier. They did a good job of disrupting Chicago. And also a couple times in this game, you saw them kind of pick them up half court, full court, just slowing them down a little bit. And that's been our biggest problem. We mentioned this in the Denver game, and you said, you know, it was easy to play against the Nets. They did a good job of making it harder to play against them tonight. They weren't perfect. Obviously, all the fouls were terrible, but they were able to play three solid to good quarters and only have one terrible quarter where in the last two games it was two bad quarters to kind of correct some of the problem not completely corrected but it puts things in the right direction baby steps mate baby steps 100 percent. so uh that wraps it up as always a pleasure jack talking nets with you especially after a win like you mentioned big thanks everybody for checking us out and obviously you can find us on itunes google play spotify otgbasketball.com netsrepublic.com and bluewirepods.com winner winner barbecue chicken dinner
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.